0: If you're over 40 and want to be the best version of yourself, Fit Over 40 with Coach Clarence is here to help. Clarence Ferguson is a seasoned loan officer, fitness expert, personal chef, and entrepreneur who leads a revolution of men and women who want to live their best life going into middle age. Inspiring dialogue, challenging topics, and industry leaders are here offering tips and how-tos to improve your life. Now... Here's Coach Clarence. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Fit Over 40. I'm your host, Coach Clarence. And I have guests guest today. Uh, her name is Dr. Linda Catherine Larkey. She is a professor in the Edison College at ASU, my old job. Um, and she's um, kind of a smart lady, so I thought I'd pick her brain today. And... Um, Get some questions and answers about what's going on and what's happening in the world today. How are you, Linda? And thanks for joining us.
1: Doing great today.
0: Yeah. What's going on in your world?
1: Hmm. A lot of transitions, but I you know who doesn't have a lot of transitions going on in their lives?
0: I'll see. A
1: new had a birthday, so just got into a new age.
0: Happy How old are you, hey. Don't Tell everybody. Are we gonna talk about that? Yes, it's we that are.
1: magical year sixty-nine.
0: Well, the hey now. That's that, that awesome. Oh
1: well thank you. Oh, <laughs> genetics, good genetics. <laughs> Maybe some good living, who knows? <laughs>
0: That's awesome. 69 that number. That name has um and that it just brings up so many memories and thoughts. <laughs> so we're just good that you're 69. Yeah, good. All right. You well, we'll 68 on. and 01. That's the worst. <laughs> All right. So um, what's going on at issue? How are things going?
1: We have a a lot going on with um the usual having different strategies to really keep ASU up front and center, and it's a it's a, a top research institution. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that I was brought there for what you 11 years ago because I had three large NIH grants going on, and our college didn't have very many of that at all. But now everybody around me is just popping and research. Grants are coming in left and right, and we're doing very well. My latest uh, looks like it will be, and we we don't talk about it like it's funded until we get until the fat lady sings. There's a very specific we don't document. Say fat
0: lady, we say larger person. The larger
1: person, the larger lady, Our show, we're the very larger lady, <laughs> the
0: bigger woman starts. Singing. But
1: I've been working with um, the company called Calm. If you've heard of the app, it's the top meditation app, and. I'm on their scientific advisory board. I work with um, Dr. Jen Huberty. And we have been working towards getting funding to do some research with their with their meditation app. And, and we've been doing that, actually, for quite some time. But the final one looks like we're going to be able to get it very likely until that that specific document gets issued because of our score being just about perfect. Um, researching Calm for Cancer Patients. And really, really working to develop um, the adaptation for people
0: for spouses or partners. Are you guys researching that?
1: We don't have it for relationships. No, (sighs) I'm doing work with relationship quality, with heart rate variability, biofeedback. If you've ever heard of the HeartMath Institute, they do a, a very specific type of coached biofeedback based meditation. They don't call it meditation, but it's a like so shifting their, to a different state of mind.
0: So when you're with someone and you're having an argument, you should meditate on the spot.
1: No, How but
0: would you, they <laughs> that's, that's why they don't. Rate.
1: That's why they don't call it meditation because what they're training you to do is to train your your neurophysiology to go into a very specific state that is not only calm but also emotionally um, positive and resilient. And if you practice that with your eyes open. Which how many how many meditation practices have you heard of where you practice with your eyes? I don't open? practice
0: meditation with <laughs> eyes closed. I'll just go to sleep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and that's why they use it to train people to go into this different neurophysiological state that calms the heart, shifts you to a positive emotional state, and does help when you're in that context of mm, challenging. Um, relationship issues, shall we say?
0: All right. So last time you were on, <laughs> we did discuss the pandemic. What are your thoughts now about where things are?
1: Yeah, I I knew you would bring that up. That's right. <laughs> Get right so to it. I, I I disclaimer this. This is not my area. As a scientist, I know how to read the literature. I know how to re- even read the epidemiology around this issue. But well, I think. The problem
0: is, we don't have a lot of scientists reading. Yeah. We have people reading.
1: That's right. You know. And where we are right now, to me, it's a fascinating thing if you look at the psychology of how people are behaving. We have rates of cases and deaths that are just like a time parallel way back, what, a year, year and a half ago. And people are behaving as if it's all over. It's, yes, it it's, declined, it's declining. And, yes, there's a little more protection out there with the vaccines. But we're finding that, you know, their ability to protect you from getting sick is wanes over time. And so unless you've had your third booster and, you know, your recent vaccine was not so long ago – you're, you're at risk for getting it, and for most people now, because they've either had it—not most, but many have had it—or had it, they've been vaccinated, the likelihood of getting very, very sick and going to the hospital or even dying is less. But you're still right there with the the same level of risk for being able to communicate it to somebody else, and that's and that's I think where the problem is.
0: Hmm. So, Woody, are you for mass mandates or not? <laughs>
1: Actually, I I think it's kind of ridiculous because of the human behavior, and here is why, is that I would think that when I walk into the grocery store, if they have had a sign up saying, wear a mask if you're not vaccinated, I'm pretty sure that when I walk in, it's the people that are vaccinated that are masked, and the, and the ones that are not vaccinated who think, ah, this is nothing, it's, you know, they're, they're the ones, so I still wear a mask in the grocery store if I think I'm going to be up and close and personal with somebody, so the 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 issue of mandates actually having it making a difference in people's behavior is very low. I'm not sure that it's making a difference, but I'm happy to continue.
0: I wear a mask just to protect people from looking at me.
1: It's a whole totally <laughs> different reason.
0: You know, I'm I'm trying to not spread ugliness. You know, <laughs> just so I. That's why I wear a mask. You're
1: spreading silliness right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it's time to put this on into oh. our next conversation.
0: Yeah, right. it That's goes like with a good my introvert. it goes
1: with my red dress.
0: She has her. <laughs> you guys can't see this because this is like on the air, but she has her devil horns in. Uh, what's it feel like to turn sixty nine? I mean, what does that feel like? I remember when I turned fifty, it was like a big oh. deal. So, what's it like to be nineteen years?
1: It's scary. Yes, see, see this, is, this is Halloween. It's scary shit. It is scary. You know, once in a while I wake up and I think about other people that I've known in the past who hit 70. And it's just like, oh, my God, 70 is so old. And then I take a look at how I feel and what I'm able to do. And then I can still just throw my running shoes on and run out the door and blast one out. I'm just, it's fine. It just doesn't matter. Once in a while, I think so I'd like to... So let's talk to, about
0: your daily routine. What do you do to stay healthy and fit? I know you fired your trainer in COVID, but uh, <laughs> what, what, what happened? Tell, tell everybody why, how do you stay fit?
1: I have a habit, and it's a really long ingrained habit. And it's less of a habit that you say, I cultivated that to um, with, with grit and toughness to make myself do No, my habit is out of desire, and I love to run. I love to move and I love to be outdoors. So all of those together, the pandemic was kind of a, a positive, I mean, you know, not the pandemic part, but the getting locked down and saying you can't do much or go anywhere um, unless you're outdoors. I just got out in the sunshine a lot uh, with the sunscreen on, you know, and the little visor. I walked. But because I started realizing that some of the Wonderful benefits of resistance training were are st- getting lost along the way. I picked what up I picked up on the the lunges with weights. I bought a couple of sets of weights. Um, had some some therabands so I could work on some of those. You know the granny flaps. You know, we call granny them granny flaps. That's what my grandkids call them. Call them and I'm not. Arm. I'm yeah. I'm not going to demonstrate. I'm not going to demonstrate for you. <laughs> but yeah, you you were trying to ask me what are the benefits of resistance training? No, I was just asking
0: you what do you you, what's your routine to stay yeah. healthy? and I mean, you're in better shape than most 30-year-olds. So what's your secret? Do you have a really cool trainer? Anybody <laughs> giving you advice or anything?
1: I had for a while. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I hadn't do, I hadn't done the you know, the real deal gym thing for a long time. And yeah. so a year, two years ago, how long has it been? Two years ago, I started training with you. You want people to hear that, sure. and it was. And I walked it's in like with it's a
0: horror story. You're Like I'm three hundred pounds now. I
1: know, and I walked in with what I thought might be a little bit of a different. You know, you're asking me, what are your goals? What are you, you know? And I said, I just basically want to tighten up a little bit. I want to build a little more muscle because I know that as I age, that that's a really important thing. That it's just sort of automatic that you start to lose muscle mass as you age. So I wanted to not just offset that, but really build a little bit more. And that I had no interest in losing weight whatsoever. And so, I, you know, I, I was able to learn enough of what are some of the parts of my body that work well and can do that. I've also got some, some problems with a certain mobility issues. So I found, well, don't do that because then you're going to really be in pain. And, and I don't mind pain, muscle pain, but joint pain that's secondary to movements that don't work so well. But you walked me through a program that kind of got me in a habit and got me just a little bit addicted to not just the way that it felt. You know, felt. I have
0: a way of warming people up, so that's a... I heard that. Oh I heard that. You know, I'm my sure we're, we're working on her... her, her... <laughs> Her uh, PR, she's not. That's not her specialty, and she'll even admit that too. She's not into PR. So, um, all right. So let's talk about what you eat because that's really fascinating. Okay, what, just give us an idea of it. Are you plant based? Are you a meat eater? What do you do?
1: If there were something that's already out there that people know that would be most likely to say it's like kind of like that. Look, let's call it adapted paleo
0: Adaptive paleo because
1: like my i'm i probably eat uh, most people think paleo oh they're just out there eating all the meat that you can ha- have in the world and and I don't eat that much meat and I eat small amounts of it so I think a little bit more like the asian version of what does it mean to have a little meat in your meal but I have mass quantities of vegetables (laughs) and and just about every kind. So all the way from the root vegetables, I am not afraid of a carb at all, all the way up to, um, you know, the the leafy greens. In fact, uh, both the places that I live part-time, I grow leafy greens and herbs and things like that. So I can just have, like I say, mass quantities of greens in my diet. Um, And then sticking with mostly organic and mostly working with, if I'm having meat, they're really well-sourced. So wild caught fish and grass-fed beef and just bought a whole bunch of marrow bones yesterday. Hadn't made up my big batch of bone broth for quite a while, so I'm into bone broth and very, very much into fermented foods. Gotcha.
0: All right. So let's go backwards real quick. Let's talk about the 2F, F-squared, fear versus fact. What does that mean to you? Oh, well, the... <laughs> During
1: the pandemic, and still, we still have people who are whining at you for wanting people to wear masks or for wearing a mask yourself and saying that you're fear-based. And I just want to go on record to say, I, you know, I, I remember having a little fear at the beginning of the pandemic, like, holy shit, you know, these people are dying in masks. I moved forward without fear, but paying a lot of attention to facts. In fact, I even look at the, uh, our Department of Health Services, uh, data uh, board every day, just kind of out of curiosity, and, you know, we're still not declining that much. We're, we're, we're still having two, three, four thousand new cases a day. We're still having deaths sort of, you know, somewhere between 40 and 100 almost every day. It's just not getting better. But the, the idea of, of paying attention to facts and using the facts to guide my decisions about what I'm doing as opposed to running around in fear,
0: that's not good. Well, fear is being... You know, promulgated by a lot of people with big platforms, and they have the ability to influence people's thinking, and there's an anti-science kind of vibe going on.
1: That's a whole other thing.
0: Yeah. Because it went from science used to be cool to now scientists are crazy. You should listen to the YouTube guy.
1: Yeah. Right, that that Yahoo on YouTube probably knows a whole lot more than people that have spent their entire careers studying and learning this stuff.
0: But here's where I think people, and I'll play the devil's advocate here, people have a problem with Fauci because he came out and he said one thing. And then a week later, he said another thing. And then a week later, he said another thing. So now people are like, what is it? And that sees the doubt. Instead of him saying, this is... Something new. We're constantly trying to figure out what it is. So we're gonna come out here and say something different. We're updating you. You know, just like um, if you, I'll use martial arts as an example. We used to think fighting like this was cool. That doesn't work. Getting in a horse stance, you can get your ass kicked. So you evolve as your information right. gets better. But it doesn't seem to play in the world of craziness. No, you said last week don't wear masks. Then he said wear ten masks. So. That's where I think people have a problem with this whole situation, because the information is changing, and you know, some they say a little knowledge is dangerous. So you could take mm-hmm. a little bit of something that's the truth, and then spin it into something bigger. And that's where I think where we are.
1: I think that example. What
0: side of the aisle you're on, too?
1: Absolutely, there's a lot of influence by that. But I think one of the critical things that you mentioned is the the Fauci waffling, and that if you took a lot of the things that you know, a lot of this crap gets promoted on. On is something as simple and basic as a meme. How much information can you really put on that? But what I what love were memes. I love memes too. They're lots of fun. But I'm not going to get my scientific information off of a meme. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. Well. <laughs> I'm doing and if, it and wrong, if you
0: look, I believe in I mean, beliefs. I
1: I remember going through a few of those things because I look at both sides. I look at people that are you know sharing their information and different kinds of news sources. And the stuff that was on Fauci was like, do you realize that that wasn't two weeks later? That was two months later, and it's because this changed. And if you listen to more of what he talked about, he did constantly say, "This is a this is a moving target. This is a changing picture. This is what we knew then. This is what we know now." But that part wouldn't be quoted when people would say right, well he said this soundbites. then and then he right. said that then We use the
0: same sound bites
1: right right and in fact there was that huge transition from when we first understood what was going on with this virus and we saw the transmissibility but we didn't know how it was transmitting there was a lot of information based on lack of information and then suddenly we started getting in the research to see how it wasn't just droplets that would like you know fall to the ground six feet from you but it was air, and that the actual air that you were breathing could begin to populate the air around you. And if you're in a closed space, now you're in trouble. And we didn't know that at first. And it suddenly got apparent that, oh, we're going to have another
0: barrier here.
1: This isn't going to work.
0: Gotcha. All right. So we're going to get off that because that's always a sore subject, but I just wanted to get your thoughts. (laughs) Okay. So I understand you're writing two books. What are you writing about? Tell me about these two books.
1: Well, there, first of all, know that I have the evolution of books going on in my head, and I've got a lot that's being written already. I should but write I don't. a
0: book because I got a lot going on in my head. I know you I should do. Just try to organize, and it you someday. should. And
1: then, and then you get an editor to help you put, right. that, put that shit in order. Right. You know, it's like no, no, But you know, this is something I've known about myself long before I went into academia. But academia started highlighting it is that I do not have a linear way of thinking. My cognitive functions do not operate one, two, three. They're very global relational. And so I have a little idea out here and a little idea, and then I, the next day I see how they connect. And so I write about things, and then eventually I find the way to bring them into some kind of order that's going to make sense to people. So that's the introduction to say, I've got two titles, I've got two sort of books that I am working on, and they the keep titles? evolving. The first one is Food
0: Fight. And that's like a food fight. We all sit down and start throwing. Food well, at each I like
1: other. the name of that's that awesome. because that because that evokes that image, and that's keep, kind of fun. Yeah, it's how like to throw a piece of bacon. Yeah, at yeah, yeah, it's all about that. No, okay. not at all. So the thing is that part of this will be science. Some of it will be the the understanding about how our our way of eating evolves and how our efforts to change our way of eating um, fail right? And it's also a personal story. So I had the experience of having 20 years of having an eating disorder. And my own recovery from it, we're talking about a lot of years ago, many, many, 35 years ago, recovering. Yeah, a lot of years ago, where a lot of the things that are being used now in the area of managing eating disorders were had not emerged. But here's what the book is really about what I'm understanding is that having gone through my own recovery using some of my own creative juices and dreams and whatever, I, I, I had a lot of different ways that I went through the recovery. I began to see how very healthy I was in my way. Not, and I'm not talking about healthy eating, I'm talking about healthy attitude, healthy understanding of my relationship with food. Ooh. And then as I got better and better, I watched how many people don't have anything near that. And they don't have to have an eating disorder, but they've got, most people have a food fight going on inside of them. So most people that I know, and, and, you know, I know a couple that maybe aren't quite that way, but most of the people I know, and especially women, but I know this goes on with men. They don't talk about it as much as the women
0: do. You mean have, like corn or flour? <laughs>
1: Yeah, that, that kind of what, like, is it is corner it, flour, corner flour, is it tacos? Yeah, yeah street that's,
0: tacos? Like, that's, that's the food that's I have. That's a
1: perfect example. Okay. And for most, the it's... the right one, so I know.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I
1: just, well, that's it. The answer is within. And I know that sounds kind of corny. But for the most part, if the food choices are driven by a, a whole combination of things that come from inside rather than... I was told this, and somebody told me to do that, and I'd be a bad person if I ate this, and, oh, I want it, I want it, I want it, but, oh, then I'll feel so guilty, and all that crap that goes on in people's heads, and then it goes on in their gut, because that doesn't work so well when you're fighting in your head. They end up, <sighs> like not, they lose they lose the battle, and that's it shouldn't like be you. a battle at all, and that's the point, mm-hmm. is that when when you get to the place where food is just another lovely part of your life, and you can find that there's kind of an internal signal that says, yeah, I would feel good if I ate that right now, or I wouldn't feel so good if I ate that right now, or understanding how the balance of the blood sugar and all of that and the chemicals in the brain work in response to food, where you don't have to depend on the science, but you've learned it by your own experience. It's pretty normal for people to adapt to a internal signal rather than all the external stuff and the food fight going on in their head.
0: I see. And what is the other book about?
1: <laughs> so the other book started with, um, years ago, a friend was at the poker table with a bunch of other friends. I don't play poker, but my ex-husband was at the table with a lot of other friends. And he started getting a little disconnected from the game and the guys are hey what's going on Joe you know his name's not Joe but I'm holding his um his identity uh, private hey what's going on Joe yes he's just off in some other land and then he starts to say weird things and then he finally says you know guys we really are all one and they're just tooting, and ho- I mean, they just think this is hilarious. And he gets up and he walks out the door, and they find him the next. Somebody finds him on the walking to Sedona, looking for the alien. You know, some Carlos Castaneda reference. Do that whatever. to this man. I didn't do that to this man. I'm I'm watching this and I'm hearing this story, and I remember how they made fun of him. That this was like his moment of. One person would look at that and say, this was a psychic break. I mean, the chemical the chemistry went way off and he's down the tubes and we better put him in the hospital and put him on a bunch of drugs so he quits seeing that reality of that we really are all one. But I remember back then I was thinking, well, yeah, I think he's kind of right, but you know, I wouldn't do it in the middle of a poker game. And and I became enthralled with the idea that our brain chemistry keeps us in a real, so called world that we're in that prevents us from seeing that other reality of that we really are all one. And that sounds like, oh my God, another book on Zen or, you know, give me a break. But the idea of the book is that we are all searching for that, whether we know it or not, and that we are all longing to meet that place where he was even though they call that crazy and put him in the hospital for it. I want to be in that place, too. The book doesn't get called that. It has the word one slashed out, and then up in the corner instead it's addicted. Because the contention here is that most of our behavior, most of our thinking, most of our patterns are based on set cycles, and that we are mostly stuck there. And that is what's keeping us from... Getting to that other place and understanding
0: it. Excellent. That sounds interesting. (laughs) (laughs) That one seems like it's going to be a good one. I have to read it.
1: You asked me what I do to keep healthy, and you focused on this is what you usually focus on. I understand it is the physical activity. What do you do to stay active? What do you eat?
0: And you focus
1: on mindset. And so the mindset side of it for me is deep practice of meditation. And I don't think we change much of that whole brain chemistry or that core, unless we spend so, a good amount of time with that. Okay.
0: So I yeah. happen to know one of your habits, but I won't say it unless you choose to disclose it when you're at your. <laughs> what? <laughs> when you're at your home up in the mountains in California, care to share any of your practices that you do up there?
1: <laughs> well, there's some that are more shareable than others. No. Okay. I, Trying to think of what is he thinking? What oh, is he thinking well, you, about? Yeah,
0: listen! If you want to <laughs> share, you can share, but I'm not going to put your business out there. But I was just curious because the mountain, or time you're in nature yeah. and it's different, you yeah. you connect differently.
1: Yeah, we have. Um, in fact, I'm I'm working with some other folks on looking at that connection between nature and the meditative state, and how that actually might get enhanced. When you're in nature, and the Qigong practice that I base a lot of my own work on, um, basic core principle there is that there are elements and essences in nature. I mean, it's not like you're outside and you suck in that leaf from that tree, but that there is an energetic connection and that there are different things that can begin to change the energies in your body. And If you think of traditional Chinese medicine, it's all energy-based, not woo-woo. They've got very clear meridians mapped out, ways that they've been validated. So one of the things that, that I do when I'm up there, um, I used to call it my front dirt uh, right in front of my house, but it's now it's got a little flagstone on it, but it's still earth-based. And I like to get out there with my feet bare feet on the ground and practice Qigong, um, but I feel like I am just as connected to nature as I am to other humans, so the oxytocin is probably flowing, and that's a good thing.
0: I so, have I can, some <laughs> listeners who aren't very sharp. Could you explain what oxytocin is? So, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe the host. <laughs> the
1: oxytocin is thought of as that that biochemical associated with uh, love and connection. So, it gets generated when a m- mother is nursing her baby. Um, it gets generated. Just even with the touching of skin, um,
0: and it has a oh, lot I was of benefits. Horny, but that's oxytocin. Then that's a good word.
1: That's that's a safer way. There's there's a whole there's a whole lot of other chemicals that that get generated oh what is that oh don't worry depending on which side of that i mean you might even have a little excitement and that would be more of your epinephrine getting generated you know but there's they all mix together and they do a lot of different things but the oxytocin has a lot of um, benefits so not only will i get out there and practice qigong but like in the middle of the night i might be out there under the stars sometimes um for me, because I'm in a place where nobody can see me. I love being outdoors without my clothes on. It gets a little cold in the winter. But, um, you know, when you're when you're warmed by the inner experience, say, experience of Oxytocin
0: connection. I just have to say, that's something <laughs> only white people can say. You have never heard Clarence go, you know, I really love being naked out in nature. Somebody's <laughs> going to call the police. Enjoy that benefit.
1: I will. That's
0: just, that's just and
1: I acknowledge that I am yeah, privileged I that way. I can't do that. Like,
0: <laughs> you know, I like to go on camelback and just be free, and you know, take my well, clothes off.
1: And I will say, it's also the male-female thing. You know, you you go out running on the canal, and some female steps out of the out of the bushes with no clothes on. Yeah, you shrug your shoulders and keep going. But a man comes out with no clothes on. You go and like call the police. There's, you know, I just that's got, just I got flash hair. I'm t- I'm telling you, I'm aware that that's the issue. Yeah. I get it. I just yeah. By the way, I had been flashed on the canal years ago. It made me stop running at night I on the canal. Doing that. It was just really you stopped hard flashing at yeah, night. Yeah, it just That wasn't, was probably it wasn't you. was a good huh? career
0: move. No, is <laughs> you know that trench coat in Arizona it's just hot. You're sweating. After a while, no one gets scared. So it's just like whatever. Try a negligee next yeah, time. <laughs> being a negligee, that's even scarier than anything. So all right. So I have a question for you. What is slow science? Oh.
1: <laughs> that was the, that was the last thing we would talk about if we still had time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So
0: we have plenty d- of time. you
1: remember and it's still around the movement with food and cooking, slow food. And and we think of that in a very positive way. It's like, "Oh, man, if you're going to take your time and really do it right and and cook from scratch and all of that, that's a good thing." And in science, that's a good thing too for the most part. What I would say is that in the twenty-five years I've been involved in doing scientific inquiry, setting up research, doing you know designing the research and then getting it done, from then until now, science has slowed so much down. It has gotten so that they don't want you just to oh that sounds like a good idea go test it. They want you to pre-test and pre-test and pre-test. Now I understand that in the field of Drugs? You know, you, you don't want to be giving humans drugs that you haven't done a lot of safety testing and, you know, like, I'm sorry, but they even try them out on little creatures like, you know, rodents and whatever. All that's important. Get established that it's feasible, that it's safe, all of that. But what I'm finding is that the way our our research funding agencies are structured, and the people that are running them, I honor this, but I also am very frustrated by it, is that it takes so damn long to get from, I have a really great idea, to uh, being able to actually test that idea in full flow in the world of humans, when there are things that that we know are safe. So for example, I do work a lot with that heart rate variability biofeedback, that state that gets, it has a, you get a device that gives you feedback to say, oh, you're in that sweet spot. You're in that spot that not only is showing me that your heart rate variability is good, but it's also telling me that you are probably in a, a deeper, more resilient state. You're cultivating health. You're cultivating neurohormones that are going to be beneficial. Well, I like doing that with all kinds of different populations, and if I'm working, if I want to work with someone who's got lung cancer and they're getting treated, the steps that you have to take to see if is it feasible, is it is it safe, is it what- when we kind of know that this thing is very very safe, it just takes a lot of time to get funding to get the the work done to get that published and then to turn around and get the next phase of research. So science has slowed way down. And what that means for me is that I'm looking at I'm looking at the joy of in the next few years kind of transitioning to not doing so much of the academically funded science that that I've done for twenty-five years. But moving out into, let's just start taking what we kind of know and move into writing books and move into training people and teaching people and applying it. I'm not denying that evidence is necessary, but I love the idea of being a little bit freer of that uh, yoke of having to do science in such a slow way that it takes you three years to do your pilot study and then another year to get funded or two to get funded to do the next level and then another five years to do the next level. And 12 years later, people get to hear about it. And then even then when it gets in our peer reviewed published journals, it, might not even be it, it won't <laughs> Yeah. We've Who moved knows? on
0: to something different. Who
1: knows? Right. And that's it. We often find out things that are way past when they're being used. And then by the time that gets published, they
0: they've moved on. I see. I see. So what I, are you passionate about going into 2022?
1: I am passionate about going on sabbatical which everybody thinks sabbatical means that when you're an academic, oh, you get to take a vacation and you do not. (laughs) You have to apply. You have to show what it is that you plan to do. And usually the expectation it'll be uh, revved up to a new level of doing things a little bit differently. And often it means going someplace else, but not always. Um, And so I don't really have a plan to do anything other than my, you know, back and forth from my California getaway place where I can work. In fact, I work better there, but it's, but it's back to really getting clarity around writing up the things that I have already worked with in the world of heart rate variability biofeedback. Um, HeartMath is the equipment and the institute that that we work with and my training is through them, but it's very science-based. And getting ready to be able to take that out to the public. HeartMath Institute already does that. I'm trained to do that. But but to be able to do that rather than stay in the laboratory and do the work that we do and to be able to reach more populations with that, including small work groups where their goals may be in the realm of working better together, having better relationships, having the ability to cultivate their intuition and their creativity, all of those things are centered in this state where if you get your heart right, you get the rest of it right.
0: I see. So this year isn't over yet, but what has been a win for you this year?
1: Hmm. Hmm. Or wins? You can (laughs) share
0: more than one.
1: You know, often I, I have, win is not a word that makes as much sense to me as, um, continually moving toward who it is that I want to be. And, so for me, goals. You know, you, you're big on goals, and I love that. And I've, I've I've managed to achieve a hell of a lot of goals in my life. You know, getting big grants and working in the kind of job that I work in, I've done well, and I'm I'm just grateful for that. But it feels more like I'm grateful for that rather than saying, "Wow, I reached my goal." Because I do that, I reach my goals by being, not doing as much, not 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 as much the doing as the being. How much so of course is intention
0: involved in that?
1: Yeah that's that it, the the intention is there but undergirding the intention is about what's the kind of person I want to be and so wanna be? I want to be that kind of person who is supportive of others so when I achieve my goals by bringing groups of students and um, others that are working towards their goals in research, working toward their goals in their life. If I can bring them along and help them in the process of achieving those things, then the achievement is less about the achievement. It's more about being that person that is there, present for people. And and I I get that feedback plenty. That that I am I'm the go to person when someone really has something painful going on inside physically or emotionally i'm i'm the one that they lean on and i try not to get well try that's not a good word but the the other is is that is that i find i'm i'm learning the the grounding around boundaries Mm -hmm. that is that yeah i can be there and be that person for a lot of people and i also have to take care of myself so
0: okay so what was a loss for you this year if you want to use that word what is some you didn't accomplish we won't say loss because loss seems like big
1: I won't I, I I don't know that I could call it a loss there's I've had a you know one of those here's what I'd like to see move forward in in my life and my work and it just keeps sitting back there it hasn't moved forward but there's several steps that need to take place some of them are in my lap some of them are in others' laps I've been working in this realm of um, Teaching and researching uh, qigong, tai chi, easy. It's a really easy form of getting into a meditative state, like almost like that. And we help people cultivate that state. And I've done it with breast cancer survivors and um, slightly overweight, overweight midlife women, and you know many different kinds of populations that we've worked with. Um, but my desire and vision would be to get all the pieces in place to be able to write the winning grant proposal that would disseminate that. So there's several phases of research, and after you've even completed your field research that says oh, yeah, this shit works. (laughs) It really works. Um, There's usually a point at which you have to identify, well, what populations does it work with and where might it bring the most benefit? But we have a nationwide network of these Tai Chi Easy instructors through the Institute for Integral Qigong and Tai Chi, my partner in research. In this work, Roger Yonka, Dr. Yonka has been uh, the one who developed a lot of these practices in the first place out of his years of experience with traditional Chinese medicine and Qigong, he's um, an oriental medical doctor. Um, Together, we have envisioned being able to bring This large group of trainers, they're they're people who teach or can lead practice in Tai Chi across the country to reach one population or another. So the research design would be about how do you disseminate, how do you get it out there, how do you um, put the, the legs on this program that is out there and available and get it to reach the people that it is going to be the most beneficial for we have the data we know the we have the evidence that these practices like this and this protect this practice in particular works so to get that out there and disseminate it oh, i'd be singing a lot of work moving forward all right
0: so my next question is we have more just a few more <laughs> okay. Just a few more what are some studies you think people should be taking a look at and reading on what are some things you'd like people to be investing in some of their time?
1: Well, there, that, that sounds like two different questions. I think one, one is, um, I would say in general, read the research, People, you know, like don't just stay. I've
0: never listened to the guy on the TV.
1: Well, so I'll say this there are some awesome podcasters who are researchers, who are research based. One of the ones that I've gotten kind of intrigued with lately is um, the Huberman Lab. And he's at Stanford and he does a lot of work with sleep everything from sleep to metabolism to circadian rhythm to how light affects that and and every one of his podcasts is just full of not just information but research evidence-based information so that's the one side we have studies that people can engage in if they are the right age or size or whatever um, one of one of my um, <clears throat> one of the folks in my lab she's in her postdoctoral phases so she finished her doctoral Doctorate um, a year and a half ago, she is doing a study called Think Fast, and it's um, looking at the effects of intermittent fasting on cognitive function. I'm actually enrolled in, this, why I'm just like so bright today, you know. Are you <laughs> no, I, <right> now? <laughs> no, it, the intermittent type of fasting is actually prolonged nightly fasting because there's so many versions of intermittent fasting. Sure. It could be any time of the day. It could be once in a blue moon, and this one is designed to put you on eight weeks of having only a 10-hour eating window during the day. So that's 14 hours of fasting every night. It's been a bitch. I mean, I just, you know, I wake up hungry. (laughs) So that means I have to stop eating, like, a lot sooner than I normally would. But um, that so that one is a study designed to take a look at that. And we actually, the only body fluids we take is saliva, so that we can take a look at cortisol changes and see if that uh, affects it.
0: What is uh, CARES?
1: Cares is the study that we are just getting started we are almost ready to launch our recruitment effort but it is looking at caregivers of folks who have Alzheimer's disease and there are there there's more and more research going on now with caregivers because it's becoming recognized that usually the person that's caring at home for a person with whether it's stage 4 cancer or just some, some kind of mobility impairment or something like that, caregivers are just as stressed and getting just as, um, as many sequelae to their stress as the person who is the patient. And so there's a lot more focus on that. So this one is looking at using that, that heart rate variability biofeedback option for not just helping to reduce the stress and the perception of burden, because it is a burden, I, it's a loving burden. But you know, once in a while, they just say, "Can I just stop? Can somebody come help me?" That's my um, deal, but... And the what the idea the is or... also like... to look at the relationship because there are the ways that you cultivate the heart rate variability to be in the range that you want it to be requires that you evoke and remember or think about and and breathe in a positive emotion. And one of the best ways to do that is to remember the good times. You
0: remember the good times that we used to have have together? a whole lot of good times. Oh my
1: God. Last night. Last night. Oh, What happened last night? I remember last night. Do share. Oh,
0: okay. Oh, boy.
1: (laughs) 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 I went out. So I think about going out with my two youngest sons last night at dinner. And just the second I thought about it, I got this kind of warm fuzzy feeling and it flowed through me and all I got to do is breathe that that's that thing that is changing your blood chemistry gotcha. when you go into that state so we're doing that in the context in the context of um the caregiver and the person that they're caring for that might not be able to you know I have, have that say, conversation I feel anymore. come
0: some kind of way that you didn't say one of the podcast people should be listened to is mine you know <laughs> I don't know. I just felt kind of slighted there, but whatever.
1: You know, one Sorry. of the podcasts you should be listening to. Oh,
0: it just sounds so contrite, you know. <laughs> it is bit you know. over. I'm boring. happy that I learned about oxytocin, because that sounds way better than I'm horny. So, <laughs>
1: Well, we were talking about science, and I was talking this about... This
0: a show all about science. Like I was talking, talking about, about the
1: kind of... The kind of podcast where the guy just refers to study after study after study. I, su- I do
0: refer to studies. They're you my do. own studies. You do. They're not research based anything do. but Clarenceism. But you know, <laughs>
1: you got some good wisdom here. You, you no, listen, no, all that stuff. I, is, my
0: stuff is and research. And that's it's, so I that's do dope, research. too.
1: But it's also important, I think, to go to the real research literature. Okay. And some of these people do that much. You do I'm it. Just you know that. where I see that? I see your research in my group. In your, in, well, yes, but I see it on, on your postings. And when you do something that you're you know just teaching online, that stuff
0: is full of it. Oh, I know. I was just giving you a hard time. Yeah. <laughs> so what's it like being a hippie in 2021? <laughs> yeah. Everybody's so judgmental.
1: It's just not. You're very carefree
0: not, and like, yeah. whatever. I'm naked on my property and no one's going to call the police.
1: Yeah, what's it like to be a hippie? It's like the fish in water. I don't know. How can I answer that question? I just sort of am that way. It's only when I get around people that are very different from me that I, mean, I realize, oh shit, they think they're, you know, I'm kind of weird. I, but,
0: people think but, I'm weird, but there's, so I'm used to it. But there's a certain that.
1: age, and it's, it's not just 40. I think it hits even more when you're 50, and then it just keeps on getting better where you just don't give a flying you know what about what other people think. So I'm if that's what 50, it means, trust me. If that's what it means to be an old hippie chick, yeah. All right, it like, just feels like
0: what would you describe school? laura because she's a couple years wait wait she's 66 damn who was the president when you graduated high school do you remember who the president was when you graduated high school no i'd
1: have to do the math i yeah what about I you i don't remember um, i think it would have been 73 so i was 70 i'm 70 was it Who's 70 how about
0: 1970
1: uh, it might have been I I yeah. it might have been Nixon yeah 68. that sounds right
0: I'm not a crook
1: I remember those elections
0: I always like to get people a little nostalgia and ask what you know yeah when were... you graduated high school what did you think you wanted to do because things always change.
1: Yeah, I had I had in mind to be a physical therapist, and I didn't I did not have a plan. That was sort of the way I rolled then. I'm probably still a little like that. I, I knew that I wanted to be a physical therapist, and I kind of browsed around a little bit, and I found that that um, at that time I think there was only one school nearby that you know in in the southwest that would have done that, and you had to get a full bachelor's and master's. Yeah. Instead, I ended up. Um, on a summer retreat that was like this, oh, back in the day we were doing this uh, mind dynamic stuff. It was kind of like Silva Mind Control and, and Est put together and went on a retreat, went out meditating on a rock. And this this <laughs> newspaper came down in front of my face, not a real newspaper, in my mind's eye. And it had this ad in it for uh, St. Joe's Hospital Respiratory Therapy, something like that. God knows if I had seen that in the paper. I don't know. But I went back that day, and I ended up finding that ad. And it was an ad for applicants to sign up for training in respiratory therapy. And I had a high school degree. That's it. You know, I was just kind of like still trying to figure out what the heck I was going to do. And ended up um, applying and getting in. And became a respiratory therapist for, did that off and on for seven years. So it was a total fluke. It was not a physical therapist. It took a whole lot less training. It was just at the certified level yeah. at that time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. I'd had two years of college by then.
0: Yeah, two years of two college. Two years of college. Okay. And
1: had no idea what I wanted to be or do other than that physical therapy thing.
0: Uh, I have to tell a funny story about tell me and you. Tell a funny story. Uh, Go ahead. One time in the gym, we were just getting started training, and me and... Uh, Dr. Linda here were working out the kinks of me being the boss in the gym and her being the <laughs> subordinate in the gym. Um, and it's my favorite moment of you. We were having a discussion and she said, It's doctor to you. I was like, Okay. Doctor, like Doctor, yeah. And
1: you know I was kidding. No, but you, you were, were never given oh, me. She gave me you the business. Ne- it is doctor to
0: you. I was like, Okay, well, it's clarity, <laughs> yeah. so whatever. Anyway. You talk.
1: You talk to my students. You talk to my, the doctoral students I'm supervising. They all know. Call me Yamame Linda. Call me Linda. They, you know, Except it was a joke. It was a
0: joke. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> she had a Scorpio moment. You're in the That's, presence of Scorpios. Do you know that we rule? Just so you know, just the best sign. I love some Scorpions. Mm-hmm. Scorpios.
1: I do, too. Some of them suck, though. (laughs) I
0: was just going to say, and then there are others. Wow.
1: Good thing your audience didn't see that gesture. (laughs) Yeah.
0: My audience knows about mashed potatoes here. Um, All right. Well, if people want to follow you in your research, how can they find you?
1: Well, let's see. We've got a website. It's a Weebly website, but you just I think you just need to know uh, larkyresearch.com. Is that right? Is that what or larky
0: It Weebly larkyresearch.weebly.com. Dot dot .weebly.com.
1: Sorry. Yeah, I don't have this stuff memorized.
0: Here. All right. And on Facebook, you're linda.larky? Yeah. Okay. Is there another Larky out there?
1: You know, there are hardly any Larkies out there. What and is there's the only like of that? There's only 3 or 4 Larkies out in the States, you know, there's another one who's actually a nurse researcher in Florida, Linda Larkey. Yeah, wow. she's got a different middle name. Um, wow. It's it is from my ex husband's side of the family, oh, and okay. yeah. So What's your maiden uh, name Ward. Can, Ward. Now, now Ward, can Linda. you can you see why I chose? Yeah. and kept. The Larky name. and but No, no, no. Ward, you're see,
0: being really hard on Linda Beaver. Larky. It has, that was like controversial it has a little, on TV.
1: <laughs> it has a little rhythm to it. Where Linda Ward, yeah, it sounds like oh, yeah. Ward. The Ward was, they we were a famous family.
0: Name, right? no, no, actually, that was the husband's name, Ward. I know, that Ward was first name. Right, but it's Ward a very, Cleaver. very boring name. Yeah, that's a... And yeah. it has no
1: rhythm to it. And all my kids and grandkids are named Larky. So, you know, I kept it in the family. Nice. And I And I value the memory of the... Wonderful years of marriage that I had.
0: A lot of not a lot of people say yeah. that. Yeah, that's good. oh,
1: absolutely. God, how could you? How oh, could you be married for thirty three years oh, and then not say, "You know my what"? Years. Some really special stuff came out of that. Gotcha. I'm, I'm grateful. <laughs> so was that it was that our that's our then, time you know, today i have uh, uh do an you have a email i have me? an email address oh, at well, asu we'll that is as easy as pie it's lynda.larkey at asu.edu so Linda's just the l-i-n-d-a version and larkey has a e in it L A R K E Y. I noticed that you
0: capitalized Catherine. why is that
1: do i capitalize it
0: yes on your guest, sheet you capitalize. Oh, that Catholic. probably
1: I probably accidentally had the caps lock on. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I didn't know if that was significant because you are you know a professor and stuff. I so maybe I should capitalize no, my actually. name. No, <laughs> actually,
1: no, it's nothing like that. Okay. Maybe I just wanted to make sure you noticed.
0: I know, Catherine. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Linda. I appreciate you being here as always, and um, good luck trying to make these people smarter. Um,
1: oh, thank you.
0: I don't think that's the path they want to go. They re- prefer to revel in causing density.
1: So, so anyway. appreciate being on. Thank you so much. You're it's welcome. always fun.
0: Yeah, I like the devil ears. I think you should get a picture <laughs> with those devil ears on. I think she got them. Oh, okay, cool. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in to Fit Over 40 with Coach Clarence. You can follow me on all platforms where you get your podcasts. You can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Just type in Fit Over 40 with Coach Clarence. You can also find me on YouTube at Coach Clarence TV. Like and subscribe so that you get all the videos as soon as we drop them. And last
1: but not least, remember the
0: golden rule. If you can't be good, be good at it.